0: If you have a Bible, then I invite you to open that with me to Psalm 62, which we will look at in a moment. Um, We are wrapping up this series uh, this week um, in Waiting and Resting on God. And then next week, we start a new series called Created for Community. Um, A quick blurb about that is that'll focus on uh, coming out of a season of rest and reconnecting to one another in new ministries and new groups um, it will. Uh, we will have Justin Early, who's an author of several books, but his latest one is called Made for People. He'll be here at the end of January to speak, to preach to us, and do a Sunday school um, Q&A on that as well. So we're looking forward to this this next series. But before we get ahead to that, we're going to conclude this on resting and trusting in God. And I think it's important to do um, to talk about weariness. You're six days into the new year. Does anybody feel weary yet? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe you're like, I tried to get to the gym and I couldn't and I'm already tired. Or I did go and now I'm tired. Or I'm already tired of my diet or my New Year's goals. I mean, Christmas to New Year is a wonderfully good time and yet can be very wearisome, very tiring in in a good way. Just like, wow, that was a lot. I heard someone this week say they need a vacation after the holiday break because it was so tiring. In 2014, Dr. Watson from the University of Washington made a statement and he said, and I'm telling you this is in 2014, so this is, this is in the, the surge of social media and iPhones, but not quite at the peak and this is, so pre all the research with everything going on with that, Okay. We live in a 24-hour society. Our economy is constantly churning. We have media at our fingertips, even more so now, all day and all night. I call it the caffeine industrial complex. What he was noting is that we as a nation are a people that don't know how to slow down and rest. We are tired and we are weary. It's frequently reported that way. The weariness may be amplified today due to social media and other things, but it is not novel. It is not new. We sang many times in the last month a Christmas carol that I love and that you probably love too, O Holy Night, right? The stars are brightly shining when we think of all that, but it has these wonderfully rich lyrics, some of which say, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. That was written in 1847, long before the industrial complex, long before social media. Because to be weary is associated with the human condition. So weariness is something we will always face this side of heaven. What is that like and how do we find rest in God? It's a multifaceted thing, including our busyness, our exercise, our diets, our finances, emotional strains, and our spiritual yearnings. As you make goals this year and New Year's resolutions, maybe that's you. I don't do that because I don't ever keep them all, so I just feel like a failure. Um, I just try new things for a little while. Um, But as you make those, make one of them to try something new for a while, to try to rest. Learn to rest. One of the questions that's repeated through the Psalms is this question, how long? How long, O Lord? And it's a question that is not simply asking when, it is a cry of desperation. And so as we read through Psalm 62, I want you to listen for that. Listen for this desperation and listen for these solutions to weariness. Follow along with me as we read the word of God. Psalm 62, to the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. The only, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance as they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O oh Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to talk to you broadly in this psalm about the sources of being weary and then some solutions to weariness. The sources of weariness and solutions to weariness. First, the sources. We get weary from other people sometimes. And specifically here, we're weary from others who seem to be set against us. Right? You remember the language too, like a teetering fence or a wall to push it over and knock it down. Those who just want to knock us down. Like I'm already tired and exhausted and somebody just pushes and wants to knock you down. And verse 4 tells us they, they will lie about you and they'll spread rumors and slander you. Right? And they, and they may even enjoy it. They may say, I'm for you. But the psalm says, but inwardly in their hearts they curse you. Right? And so we can grow weary because of the incessant attack that we feel from other people. It might take the form of a repeated barrage of lies and exaggerations or gaslighting and manipulations. It might be in the form of sibling rivalries or even friend rivalries in which he or she is better than you and lets you know that frequently and that you'll never be as good as them. It might be in the form of physical violence or a threat of physical violence. Those in power who might make threats to control you and take advantage of you and threaten to leak information about you or spread rumors in order to control you. And this isn't just true in those situations. This is particularly the situation that middle schoolers and high schoolers find themselves in at school, right? Attacked by people. I mean, sure, you have friends and you want friends, but you know that. You know that reality, like, oh, they don't like me or they're against me, or this, this is always being brought up about me. They think this about me. They've said this. Somebody shared that on social media. It's a constant barrage. Even, and it's not, it's not new, again, remember it's not new, kids. When, when, my, when my grown kids were home over the holidays, they were sitting around reminiscing, and today they can laugh about it, about being bullied in school, about being in the bathroom and having wet paper towels thrown at them over the top of the stall and different things like that. It's sad, but it's part of what happens, it's part of the reality, no matter, no matter where you are, no matter where you go to school because it's part of the human condition and you might feel this weariness of this this onslaught from others but that's not the only source of weariness it's not the only thing that batters you and makes you feel like you might fall over this psalm tells us that there's also a weariness that comes from self from self-promotion and self-protection i don't know if you notice this in verse seven but he says that he is working to promote his own name Well, actually, he doesn't say that. He said he's not going to do that. He said, in verse 7, says this, On God rests my salvation and my glory. Now, he's saying, on God rests my salvation and my glory. That's a good thing. The fact that he has to say that is a reminder of the struggle that often we want to make a name for ourselves, and we want the glory for us, and not to have it rest on God. In his weariness, he's saying the only hope he has is if he's going to rest it on God. But the battle is, we want to self-promote and make a name for ourselves. We're glory seekers. The word honor or glory here comes from a word which we've looked at in the last few weeks that can mean things like, sometimes it can mean brilliance, but often means weightiness or heaviness. It has this sense of being overwhelmed or overpowered, whether that's with this light or whether it's with, weight and being heavy. And this is important because what the psalmist is instructing us is when we seek our own self-promotion and to make a glory for our name and we forget God, what happens is we're trying to take on this weightiness, this heaviness to say, this is who I am. But notice what he says in verse 9, if we put that on the screen. In verse 9, he says, those of low estate are but a breath." Okay, now that, in Hebrew, that's a contrast to the weightiness of glory. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, now this is the way you would measure things thing in the old days, right? You didn't get out your phone to measure it or whatever. you have scales of balances. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. So what he is saying is they're after glory. This heaviness or this weightiness, they can't capture it because they're lighter than a breath and they're gone. They can't get it. It escapes them. The glory escapes them. The question is, when is enough enough? When is there enough honor or enough glory? It's constantly being chased, and prominently by athletes and celebrities and those who are famous, right? In fact, actors and athletes alike pursue fame and glory, and they go to L.A. to do so, full of glitz and glamour, the quest for glory. And L.A.'s a great city. It's nothing against that city it's just where a lot of people go right? In 2018 two prominent athletes made a move to Los Angeles. One of them was a world-renowned football striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic went to the LA Galaxy. The other was the King LeBron James and he went to the Lakers And Zlatan and LeBron had had a little bit of feud going, although they were friends at one point. And they're both in this quest for glory. And so LeBron's coming to L.A., and it's like the king is here. Zlatan comes. He puts out a tweet and says, Now L.A. has a god and a king. Speaking of himself as a god. LeBron decides to try to patch things up with Zlatan and mails him a signed Lakers jersey. Zlatan signs his signature on it and mails it back to him. <laughs> they're both in this quest for glory. And they both got it, they both won. And now they're off in other places. Well, LeBron's still there. Zlatan's, I think, at Milan or somewhere. But what do you do when you're in a quest for glory? When is it enough? When do you actually get enough? When will someone else knock you off the podium? When will some other movie star take, be cast in your role? When will the next high school athlete take your spot? Or the next person in show choir take yours? All these things we do that are good, that teach us hard work, that teach us to be to competitive and healthy in good ways, can't be only a quest for our glory. Because it will make you tired and weary. It'll make you tired and weary, if it's only about you. It has to be anchored in God. The truth is that you were not made to promote your own glory. And that is one reason why life gets so wearisome. Only when you bring glory to God will you know rest because you know God is enough. That his heaviness, his weightiness, his glory is enough. Because yours is fleeting. It's light in the scales. It's here and then it's gone. And God is forever. And so one of the ways that we grow weary is from our self-promotion and seeking glory, but the other way is our self-promotion or self-protection and seeking money. This is in verse 10. It says, to put no trust in extortion or hopes in robbery, right? Those are two ways you can try to get rich. But he says, and if your riches do increase in other ways, don't set your heart on them. What is he saying? He's warning us about the dangers of money that we must not set our heart on riches. Although honest work is a good thing that the Bible teaches we should do and that stealing is wrong, the warning is the same. Don't set your heart on money. Don't make that your God. Not because it's a bad thing, it's just a tool, but because trusting in that isn't going to provide you the happiness that you think it will. It will be an idol, and idols will always at some point disappoint you. It can't fulfill the godlike status you want it to have. So, working hard is good, but working for the dream incessantly and ignoring other areas of life can lead to failure. It can lead to failure spiritually, to relationally with a spouse or a friend or as a parent. This, I think, chasing fame, chasing recognition, chasing money, is the particular sin of the suburban church because it's what we're all about, the progress, the achievement. It's what we do. Again, hear what I'm saying. Hard work is good. Achieving is not bad. But when we do it and we neglect God, we have no balances for life. And we're seeking all the glory and success on our own. And we can't handle that because we've made an idol of it. And you lose sight of the only one who is glorious. So what's the solution to all this? If, if these are some of the sources of weariness, what's the solution? The solution to weariness is to find rest in God alone. Four times it says in verses 1, 2, 5, and 6, alone only. Alone only. Only in him are you going to find rest. But what is rest? Let's talk about what is rest because rest is like when I go to sleep, right? Sure, that's rest. Rest here is trusting in God alone. It says in those verses, He is my rock, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He is my salvation, He is my hope. Right? The imagery is of one who protects and defends, one who saves. In other words, resting in God is saying, I trust my life to God forever. He is my rock, my strength, my fortress, my refuge, my security. It's in Him. That's what rest is. And he's saying, rest in him and he will protect you. Now, that does not mean you won't die. You're going, we're all going to die in this life. Unless Jesus comes back first, which would be great. But don't hold your breath or you might die. It doesn't mean you won't die in this life. It does mean God will guard your life and use your life for all his purposes, for all his glory, until it's time for you to go to heaven with him. And then your life will be new forever, without any pain, tears, sorrow, sickness, death, in a place of paradise. To rest in God is to say, okay, God, I trust you with everything, with my life. Is this rest a steady state of being? Like, is it a, a one-time thing? You're like, okay, God, I trust you. You've got my life. And I did it. See, I did it. Yes and no. Yes, you got to do that at some point. But no, it's not like one and done. This is an ongoing journey through life, a progress of learning to rest and find rest in God, to remember his goodness. And we see this in verses one and two and five and six, how they're, they compared. So let's put up verse one, where it talks about My soul, notice what he's saying here, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Okay, remember that word selah I said? So the psalm is structured in three areas. It's like, here's a verse, selah, whatever that means. It's a musical term probably. Another verse, selah, and then another one. So in the first section, starting in verse one, he says, my soul waits in silence. Then he has the chorus of selah. The second section, starting in verse five, he says, for God alone, oh, my soul wait in silence notice the difference, and notice the progression, what's happening in the psalm. What David is saying in his own life, he is saying that in verse 1, this is a description of what I am doing and should do. My soul needs to wait, and I wait. But in verse 5, he's saying he has to command himself to do it. Oh, my soul, wait! Because he knows either he's not, or it's difficult, or it's hard. It's ongoing. It's not one and done. And then in verses 2, 2 and 6, we see a similar thing. So in verse 2, he says, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken, having the adverb there. Like I might be a little bit shaken, but not greatly. But verse 6, he, is only, he, alone, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Notice again a progression where he's saying, okay, when I have to focus and remember God and his, guardi- his being the guardian of my life, then yeah, I'm not shaken. But when I see the teetering fence around me, yeah, then I'm, then I'm not greatly shaken, but I'm shaken. All this to say, this is not like this steady state thing. This is this position of you in relationship with God, learning to rest and trust in him with your life. Verse 8 tells us that he gets confident enough then to tell people to trust in God at all times. The more he talks about God, the more he reminds himself of the goodness of God, he can tell other people to rest in him. And then the other thing that verse 8 tells us right here is that to pour out your heart before God. Because you may think back to what I read and said, my soul wait in silence, and you're like, wait in silence? What does that mean? Does that mean don't talk? Well, no, because verse 8 tells us to pour out your heart before him. And so when you wait, it's not in silence. It could be in silence. But it's most definitely talking about this waiting in silence or this rest of being able to quiet the soul. To say, whatever's going on in life, I can be okay because my glory is in God. I'm anchored to him. Do you know that quietness of the soul in a life that is riddled with anxiety? goes on to say then we that part of what we should be doing is talking to God and then listening to God pouring out our heart to him it's not just this distance from God it's this relationship of talking to him and listening for whatever's going on to find your trust in him but how can you have confidence that if you're going to pour out your heart to God that he's going to listen and hear you and help you well that's how he ends his third stanza his third section of the song. In verses 11 and 12, notice what it says there. It says, once God has spoken, twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Now, I want you to look at that. I highlighted belongs. What belongs to God? Power and steadfast love. What are the things that we seek in life? Power, fame, glory, to be known and loved. What is he saying? If you want to know that life and you want to find rest, you better make sure that the place you find that power and that you find that steadfast love is in the one who you can trust and the one who doesn't change. Because, see, you can find somebody that has power to help you, but if they don't love you, then they may use it to turn on you. And conversely, you can find somebody to love you and say, I want all what's good for you, but has no power to help you. And he's saying, you can have confidence and rest in God because here is the one who has the power and the everlasting love. And it's what you crave, and it's what you need. And the only way that you will find rest in life is if you know that. That's what you need. That's what Jesus says, Right? Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest because it's the human condition we need to locate our rest in God who was supremely manifested in his son Jesus who has power over the grave over all of life and a love that never fails Here we are at the beginning of this new year, and if you want rest in a weary world, your only hope is to find that in Jesus. How do you do that? What does that look like? Your temptation is to be self-reliant, to trust no one else, to self-medicate maybe, to drown out the pain, the voices, the shame, maybe even to deny any responsibility of anything. that's not how we're supposed to live. God gave us responsibility to act, and one of the greatest acts he asks of us is to rest, is to trust, to say, take all of your doing and your striving and trust me with it. Take that action. Take that action. What does that look like? That means God is your rock and your fortress. It means you act responsibly, yes, but you don't rely only on your own strength because your power is very limited as a human being, even within the circles of your family, in the four walls of your house. It means God is your provider and your security. What does that mean? It means money is not everything. In fact, one of the things that I think so far hasn't changed in this country is still on the back of the money. It says, in God we trust, which we need to remember. God has all the power and all the love. So, when you are weak and fail, you need to remember that God's grace is sufficient for you. God is your defense, your fortress. He's your attorney, He's your judge. When your accuser, Satan, is pointing fingers at you and hurling arrows at you and pushing over the toppling wall of your life, you need to remember that your judge and your lawyer are Jesus. That means you got the winning side. Right? And just think of that. Remember that. You got the judge in your pocket, and you got the lawyer saying to the accuser, nah, his defense is good. His, his sins have been covered. It's paid for. When, when the devil's accusing you, resting in God it looks like saying to the devil, talk to Jesus. He's my attorney. Because I'm covered by the blood of Christ. Weariness is what happens when life and people knock you down, when sin entangles you. It happens when attacked by lies of others or your inner voice of shame and failure. And the solution is is to overcome by trusting in Jesus. Not just for heaven one day, but for today and every day. One other practical thing I would say you need to do is you need to build blank spaces into your calendar and your schedule. Build blank spaces where you're not busy, where you have opportunity to listen and to pray, to trust and rest in God, to see what he might do. Honestly, this is one of my huge struggles. I still struggle with resting on God. It's a thing I have to learn over and over again. It is the developing story of my life. I strive to achieve, and then I get weary. In fatigue and frustration, then I do things that hurt people. In my desire to accomplish and win, I can be insensitive or dismissive. And above all, I think it all depends on me, or at least I act like it. I realize it when I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't been praying. What does that signal? I don't need God's help. I'm good. When I look back and I'm not reading my Bible, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to listen to God, I'll figure it out with my own wisdom. When I fail, I get defensive and I try to be my own lawyer instead of trusting in Christ's grace for me. Life's journey is learning to find rest in God. Will you join me in that journey? I want to read to you one of my favorite verses in the Bible or sections. It's from Isaiah 40. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it and ask you to listen to it. ask you to maybe meditate on this today. from Isaiah 40, and it's talking about all the things that happen, and he talks about idols and rulers of the world that get reduced to nothing, princes that are not, all these things that are fleeting, that that are gone. And then in verses 28 through 31, he says this, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not Faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. Let's pray. God, your word is good because you are good. Help us to be a people who find rest in you. May we trust you in all areas of our life. May we do that at the beginning of this year so that as we go forward, We're in this journey of remembering to trust you with our life, to find strength in you in our times of weariness. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.